Welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peacock. Today's show is brought to you by GymDesk, the easiest gym management software you'll ever use. Take payments, create marketing automations, track attendance, and much more. To try the software out free, go to gymdesk.com. No credit card or painful sales call required. Our hero today is Corey Hibben, an email marketing specialist and host of the Health Hustle Podcast out of Austin, Texas. In this episode, he demonstrates why you should 100% still be building an email list for your local fitness business even today. He then reveals how to grow that email list by offering fantastic value through the newsletter itself rather than relying on these sort of juicy lead magnets that are really popular nowadays. Overall, building a social presence is important for growing your gym, but owned media like an email list is how you really build a business. Without further ado, Corey Hibben. All right. Welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. Corey, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and your background in business and fitness? Yeah, man. Uh, so I used to be a personal trainer actually back in the day before I got into more or less the marketing side of things. So my journey really comes from personal training to then I worked in healthcare as an occupational therapist through seeing patients, through seeing clients. I quickly realized that there's a whole degree of this industry that I didn't realize existed. And through both of those journeys, I started to learn really the marketing side of things um, through both having to get clients and patients myself and then also leading a lot of the marketing efforts throughout the companies that I was working for. And through that, uh, I just really fell in love with that side of the business of the person kind of more or less, you could say, behind the scenes of basically driving leads and driving traffic to people's uh, businesses versus actually being mm-hmm. the one on the front facing lines of like seeing the clients or seeing the patients or um, actually doing like in the trenches. I respect you people so much that do it. I just realized it wasn't a good fit for me. And so now today, that's essentially what I do. And the main two pillars of that really is uh, website design and development. There's some content marketing and there's some email marketing within that. And then the mm-hmm. other pillar of that is I actually host my own podcast show really where I'm talking to a very similar audience that what sounds like you talk to as well in terms of gym owners yeah. and personal trainers and doctors and chiros and really anybody in the health fitness world in the space that are also um, more entrepreneurial minded and business minded. So that's what I do now today. Yeah. What podcast is that? It's called The Health Hustle. It's really focused on more or less the Austin, uh, Texas community, more or less. But okay. I mean, listenership is really all over the country. And as the show yeah. continues to grow, I'll expand it out to like other cities and networks as well. But like really the people I interview on the show are just more or less people in the Austin area. So, yeah. That's cool. My mom's a, an occupational therapist, by the way. So that's that's really neat. Dope. I meet so few people that actually even know what an OT is or an occupational therapist yeah. is. So yeah, I knew I know what it is because of um, family members have needed occupational therapy long time ago. So yeah, it is. Yeah, most people don't understand it. Like, what's the difference between OT and PT? But yeah, <laughs> it oh, is. Man. It can be a little bit difficult to explain if you're not initiated. But that's yeah. cool, dude. Yeah, everyone knows what a physical therapist, but they're like OT. Like, what do you do? Do you like help people get jobs? And it's like, no, nah, not exactly. Like, that's a good guess, <laughs> but that's what most we help people pe- assume. We help people who've been laid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what most people assume, and it's like, nah, not quite. Like, we absolutely a little bit deeper than that. Most people don't know what it is. Honestly, is because like the industry is so lateral, right? Like, I my professors mm-hmm. always used to say that it's an inch deep but a mile wide, because like you see OTs in 
mental health to physical health to community right. work to everything in between to geriatrics. And so mm-hmm. most, that's why most people have no ideas. Like they, a lot of people have seen OTs and just didn't even realize it. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's occupational therapists that just specialize in hands. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it could be anything. And there's some that, that support like speech pathologists. You can, you can, you can pigeonhole yourself as much or as little as you want to. Totally. No, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, I worked with a lot of people who are even, aren't even in the healthcare industry anymore. And they're actually doing more like tech based stuff. And they work for tech companies here in Austin, Texas, but they're still an OT by trade. I mean, really to wrap up OT in its like most simplistic form for people to understand, it's basically just like holistic health. Like it's just like mm-hmm. the broad scope of just like looking at all aspects of health that it's not just physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's social. It's like all those yeah. components coming together and figuring out how to live a healthy life, understanding that they all matter um, underneath that umbrella. And so often we forget that it's like, no, you just like work out and eat healthy. And it's no, there's so much more to your well-being than that. And that's really what right. OT does essentially. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So one of the things that you're you're really good at and the way I found you was talking about um, email lists, right? So switching gears back to, um, back to gym marketing. Um, so email list is a big deal for you. Why should gym operators consider building an email list? So I have a perfect real life scenario as to why everyone that should be at the top of their list. I literally have a friend slash client of mine right now who she had about a hundred thousand plus people. I think it was on her Instagram following and she was getting quite a bit of traffic and she was doing most of her leads and everything was coming in through this Instagram account and then it got hacked. And the hacker was basically <laughs> saying like, we're going to delete your account or we're going to put out a bunch of spam or we're going to put up all these like really inappropriate posts if you don't like give us money or whatever yeah. it is to basically get your account back. And I right. tell that story because I think that so many gym owners that I see and really anyone in the fitness industry in general rely very, very, very heavily on their social media accounts, which is incredible for getting attention. But when it comes to the long-term relationship that you're hoping to establish with the client or customer, it's not honestly the ideal place to do it. And if you could look up, not to get too nerdy on you, but you can look up any of the statistics on like where people actually buy services or products and the ratio in terms of who buys from social media versus who buys from an email list is dramatically different. Like people, whether you realize it or not, buy from an email list, even though you think it's like, no, it's just like spam email. It's just like going to their inbox and deleting and getting disappeared. Maybe there's maybe a percentage of that, but you compare Mm -hmm. that to a social media platform and it's not even close. And so like, I think that it's really important for anybody in the fitness space out there is like, yes, use your social media account to garner attention. But if you're not somewhere finding a way to convert that social media following into an email list where you can actually have a connection or even a phone number, if you hate email lists, phone numbers are great as well. But really the point is, is like find a way to get them off that platform, which is, we could get into that as well if you want. But like, that's really the big emphasis on like, if you're not building a list, you're not building a business at the end of the day. Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get into that in a, in a few minutes. That that's an interesting I talk to friends sometimes that aren't as that that don't know that much about marketing and so they don't think like marketers. And if you don't think like a marketer, you look at the exposure that you gain on Instagram and you think, "Oh man, this is going to translate well to purchases. <laughs> but even though an email, people think like, I don't really want this email or I, I have so much spam in my email. Even with email, email is like, it's a higher intent than, than Instagram is. It, social media is like, 
all of it's designed to keep you on the platform. Totally. So very, very few purchases are actually taking on social media, even though you get this, it's illusory really, these numbers of, of exposures you get, but the exposures are quick and they're sort of surface level. Totally. Um, I think it's like, yeah. I think people forget the depth of an email address and like how personable it is to people. Like if you think about your own behaviors, how much time do you spend in your email box, rather like cleaning it, archiving things, sorting things, searching through old emails, like looking up like previous conversations you had, catching up on threads, following with people. Like if you just take your own behaviors and like how much time you probably spend on your email list or just like your email account in general, compared to like your social media is more or less just like swiping, right? Like you're not spending a lot of time actually engaging with the platform. Right. And so like, that's the other piece of it too that I think people forget is that People are very protective of their email addresses these days for that reason exactly is because they know that like they don't want a lot of trash in there and they don't want a lot of garbage in there. And if so, if so, somebody is willing enough to give you their email address for whatever reason that might be, whether you're just like providing a lot of value or they really trust you or they really like you or they're your friend or whatever the reason is, is like, don't take that lightly. Like that's something that's like, honestly, like very personal, almost to the point where, like I said earlier, of like phone numbers, like if somebody gives you your phone number, that says a lot more about that relationship than a social media account, right? Like anybody can follow right. a social media account. It doesn't really garner to an actual relationship, especially for people in the gym business in general is like, I would argue most gym owners probably have some level of personal relationship with a lot of their members, if not all of their members. And so like having that even deeper level of connection through an email or a phone number is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how can gym operators go about building their lists? Uh, okay. So most people in my space would tell you offer a freebie, right? Mm. That's typically what you'll find at like the top of the list is like have some sort of freebie that they download a PDF or a video or whatever the case is. And that converts to an email address. That's fine. Right. I think that's okay. But I think it's missing the bigger picture. I think it's, it's taking one step back from there and really understanding like what it is that the value that you're offering somebody. Because like kind of to my mm -hmm. point earlier about people thinking that an email address is just an email address. It's just this free thing that you can give out to people. Very much mm -hmm. so wrong. Like if you go to any website, which is really the bread and butter of what we do with marketing agencies is like most people just have like sign up here and put your email address in. How many people do you actually think just like drop their email in there for no reason whatsoever? I'd be willing to bet it's like less than a fraction of a percentage. And the reason is, right. is because like giving your phone or giving your email to somebody, whether you realize it or not, is actually like a big step for people. Like we are so protective of our email address that we don't want a bunch of spam in our inbox. So there has to be some incentive. There has to be some reason for them to want to give you their email address. And so like to circle all the way back to your original question of like, how do you actually build that list? I think it honestly starts with like understanding your clientele and your members and what they actually want. And that could come from like literally just having like 10 conversations with maybe let's say your favorite members at your gym and just like asking them like, what are your challenges? Like, what are you dealing with? Like, what are your pain points? What are the things that you're working on? What are the things that you want to grow into? What are some things that keep you up at night? Like really, really basic questions like that will very quickly give you an answer as to like, oh, okay, I have some solutions or some offers to that problem that I could potentially offer you. And that's when you start to get an idea of like, maybe this is now the quote unquote freebie or something that I could offer, whether it's a course or whatever you're into, whatever you like, is like, that's how you come up with the idea as opposed to like, just diving into your own soul and being like 10 best workouts for abs or whatever it is. It's like, those are all fine. But at the end of the day, I think it's 
really understanding your clientele and customers. And the reason I give that answer versus like any other generic answer is because like every gym, especially if gym owners are listening to the show, is going to have a unique clientele and population. If you have an older population, it maybe is more related to like an injury or something or some sort mm-hmm. of like pain that they have in their life. Or so if it's the younger generation, it's probably more related to like wanting to get swole and wanting to get buff and wanting to have like giant biceps or like a great booty or whatever the hell it is. So I think step one is just like understanding the clientele of your gym and finding the pain point and then offering that as a solution for a reason as to come onto your email list. And then on top of that, obviously the value add is the biggest thing is ever. I mean, understanding that like it's classic Gary V. if anyone's familiar with Gary Vanderchuk of like, I think about this all the time in terms of emails of jab, 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 right hook, which basically just means like you're pouring way more value into them as opposed to just like asking in return. Like there should be literally, right. not exaggerating, close to like a 10 to one ratio is like what I think a lot about is like 10 emails of you just like helping them out, trying to like solve their pain points. And then maybe on like 10th one, you're like, hey, by the way, if you have any friends that also would like love this gym or you have any family members that are dealing with this problem, maybe then you can have an ask, but really just starting with all the value first. Yeah, so you're not necessarily against lead magnets, but really the newsletter itself should be offering value that your audience wants in its own right. So you're not like tricking them on email and just hitting them with sales emails. The the newsletter itself is offering something that they are looking for on an ongoing basis, like workout types or tips on injury recovery, things like that. Yeah, and and hack for anybody listening right now as well in terms of the newsletter world. It's something that I do and a lot of my clients do as well is also using your newsletter as essentially a blog and then also social media posts. So there's a lot of mm. overlap in the things yeah. that I'm already talking about anyways. And they just direct back to like the, the honestly, the email list newsletter type thing is more or less just like a there if you want to kind of thing. It's not so much of like trying to trick them into getting on the list or like having some like sneaky giveaway that it's like, oh, I'm going to give away a a free massage gun and for every person you refer, you get another vote into the massage gun pool or whatever. Those are fine. Those will grow your list. I just take more of the emphasis of just like being more of a value add standpoint of like, I use it as a newsletter, as a blog, and then also social media posts as well. So it's like, it's stuff we're already doing, honestly, as entrepreneurs or gym owners or whatever anyways, is like we're creating content. This is just a way to create really high value content from like a newsletter standpoint, using that as like maybe your quote unquote like pillar piece of content and then cutting that up into like dropping it as a, if they want to read it as a blog or cutting it up into mm-hmm. quotes on a, a social media or even doing a recording and talking about it onto a video of the same thing you were just writing about in your newsletter. And all that can direct back to them being like, oh, by the way, um, I talk about this every week or every other week or whatever in my newsletter. And then they're like, oh, okay, I loved the post about it. I'll sign up for it because I already like your post or your content or your blog anyways, I might as well get on the newsletter. So I try to just take like a more direct, honest approach because like at the end of the day, the people you want on the list anyways are the people that want to be on your list, not people that you trick to being on your list. That's kind of a silly way to go about it, which I think is what a lot of people try to do. Yeah. Again, that's vanity numbers, right? So like the Instagram numbers are kind of illusory. Getting people on your email list because you're giving away a free massage gun is going to be very low intent. And so like one in... 30 of those people might end up being a real weed. Exactly. <laughs> and I made that number up, but that's what it's, that's probably what it's going to be. The realistic. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. You're, that will just attract the people that want the free thing, not the thing that actually yep. want to be a part of your community or have a connection with you. You nailed it. It's exactly right. Yeah. So that's a great segue. Like, how do you write a newsletter? What do you actually put in it? Because 
I know that some people, they view a newsletter like, what's going on in the company? What <laughs> happened in, what cool happened in the last three months or the last month? Or what's the sales representative? He had a child or, you know, she had a child or so, you know, like, how do you actually write a newsletter? What do you put in the newsletter? So templates are gold. I'm going to start out by saying that is that I think so often people, and this is true for all forms of content. I'm, I'm huge in the content game. Obviously somebody who also creates a podcast show and has my own newsletter and blogs and whatever mm-hmm. is that I think that people try to just like sit down and create. And I think that's a foolish way to go about it because that's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of friction in that. And you want to reduce as much friction as humanly possible when it comes to content creation, because otherwise you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to continue to do it, right? If it's not, if there's not some degree of flow or enjoyability of actually doing the task, you're not going to do it anyways. And so templates are gold. I personally, my newsletter is called Three Tip Tuesdays. It's literally like three tips about marketing for other health and fitness professionals. That's my template. It's the same every single time. There's a little blurb mm-hmm. at the top of just like some sort of hook. And then there's three essentially tips about marketing and for health and fitness professionals in that industry. And then a little quick summary at the end. That's my template. The template that I can give most people though, just like to give you a broad scope of how almost every really piece of content should be created ever is something that I learned from a guy named Russell Brunson. If you've ever heard of him, he's massive in the marketing world, click funnels guy, whatever. I learned this from him and it's gold. And essentially what it is, is it's, it's story, strategy, tactics, story, Mm -hmm. strategy, tactics. And the reason that's order is important is because like there has to be a story that really connects and resonates with people. So everything you could write about like the cool new hack or tip or trick is irrelevant if you can't tie it to a story that's actually going to connect and relate to somebody. So like if you wanted a super simple template for like how to write a newsletter or really any piece of content, even if it was like a video or like a YouTube video or a podcast or whatever it is, it's like start with a story. Like even this podcast was great about it. It's like starting with my story, something that like people can grab onto and resonate as to like, why do I care? Like, how does this emotionally attach to this or attach to me? Mm-hmm. And like, what, like, what is the resonating factor in this is like starting with the story. Then you move to the strategy, which is basically a little bit of the educational piece of like, what's the strategy to actually being able to implement this thing that we're going to talk about, which is obviously today we're talking about newsletters. And then the last piece of it is just like the tactics, like the hacks, the tricks, the like, the, how do I get a, like, what's a good freebie idea? Like all these other things, but like, mm-hmm. that's the most simple template for anybody that's like, wants to start creating a newsletter is strategy or excuse me, story, strategy, tactics. Um, there's more than, there's more than that one. There's another one called ADA, uh, A-I-D-A. I think it stands for yeah, attention. Yeah, traditional copywriting. Yeah, exactly. Formula. Uh, yeah. Attention, interest, desire, action, I believe is what they stand mm-hmm. for. Same concept, right? Like you'd write down AIDA on your newsletter piece of paper and you'd just fill in all four of them. And so like having some sort of template that you follow, there's a lot of other ways to do it, but finding one that you can stick to, one that you enjoy and one you can do consistency because at the end of the game of like, writing two or three newsletters is no offense, useless. And so like having some sort of template that can keep you consistent with it, I would say is probably the most important part. Yeah. Excellent. That's really good advice. So how often should you send newsletters? Great question. So I, my rule of thumb is no more than twice a week, but no less than once a month. And where you fall within those ranges matters. Two factors matter. One of them, it depends on your audience in terms of the type of feedback that you're getting from your audience. If you feel like you're being annoying and it's too much, then obviously you pull back. And if you feel like it's not enough, then you give them more. And the other factor of that is too, is like, what can you consistently do for 100 repetitions? I call it the rule of 100. And what I mean by that is like, 
whether you're doing newsletters or whether you're doing blogs or YouTube videos or podcast shows or whatever it is, is like, what can you commit to consistently doing a hundred of in that essentially cycle of a hundred episodes or a hundred blogs, a hundred newsletters, right? So like, if I was to say to you, Hey, um, do you think you could write two newsletters a week for a hundred newsletters and you get to like the second week and you're just like insanely overwhelmed? It's probably a bad number for you, right? Mm-hmm. Versus on the other end of the spectrum, if like once a month is like, not enough, you just like kind of feel bored and you'd like to write another one, then write another one, right? And so like just whatever it is you can consistently do for 100 episodes, I think is far more important than the actual number of emails you can put out there. I'd also say this too, is that I think that a lot of people fear, I just want to like scratch this itch because I know this is what people think about a lot, is like they fear annoying or spamming their audience. Right. If you're adding value, there's no annoyance, Right. Like if you could continue to show up in my inbox with something that's like super freaking useful to me, why the hell would I be annoyed? Right. And so like if you're writing just for the sake of writing, just to like show up in their inbox, that's not a good reason to show up in their inbox. But if you're Mm -hmm. actually providing things that you're learning or that you're discovering in your own gym or own things you're learning about health or fitness or I guess whatever it is that you're talking about that you feel like is useful to other people, of course, you're going to share it. Right. Like how many text messages do you get from friends a day? They're like, hey, check this out or hey, look at this thing. And you, you probably don't get annoyed. You're probably like, cool. Like I would have never saw that otherwise. Emails are the exact same way. It's like, it just depends on like, is it actually valuable or are you just like spamming their inbox? So, Yeah. And you're, you're always going to have people that leave anyways that get on the list and then go. You just don't want it to happen in big numbers. Like I recently, I have an email list outside of, of work and it's maybe once or twice a month I'll send an email. And a few weeks ago, I ended up sending up sending two week, two emails within one week and I had someone unsubscribe and then report it for spam Oh, geez. just because of two emails within one week, which is weird. But that stuff's going to happen. Like n- 99% of the email list I, that I have is not trying to get off the list and they're certainly not viewing it as spam. Um, so yeah, you're always you just going to have some outlier. Totally. You, you bring up something too that I'm glad, I'm really glad you brought that up because something I always try to remind people as well is that when somebody unsubscribes from your email list, most people take that personally, right? Most hmm. people take that as this like, kind of punch to the gut doesn't feel good to the ego it feels like you're like getting yeah you're like going to the bar and trying to hit on a chick and she just like rejected you like that's what it feels like or vice versa if you're a girl listening to this whatever but like that's kind of what it feels like but i think people forget that it has nothing to do with you per se first of all it's a bit your mm-hmm. bit you are not your business right let's let's make that very mm-hmm. clear like those are two completely different things. You are not your business. So do not yeah. wrap your identity in that. Keep that in mind. But the second thing that I, I think people forget to realize as well is that they are also doing you a favor. Because like, do you want people on your email list that aren't really going to be reading your content anyways or wanting to engage with it or like responding to you of like, hey, I love the email. Like, do you want them on your list? No, of course you don't, right? Like the only people you want on this list are the people that like actually generally want to be a part of this like community or this this gym that you have of. And so like they do you a favor by unsubscribing. It's like, don't forget that. It's it's not personal. And like you don't want the people that don't want to be on your list anyways that they, they, they do a favor. Right. So how do you think that SMS fits in with email marketing? Do you think it can augment it or is it a totally different use? Phenomenal question. I uh, I had a really good friend of mine actually on the podcast, my podcast show as well to talk about this. And we were getting into the whole, this exact same conversation about the power of like emails. Like she's another person that I think she has, <clears throat> excuse me, over like 100,000 people 
on her Instagram following. She used to be like a ninja warrior. Like people love her. And even her to this day talks about like the value of her email list is so vastly underrated. And then we also got on mm-hmm. the topic of SMS, right? Like text messaging, if nobody knows what mm-hmm. we're talking about essentially right now. And she dabbled in it for a little bit. And I can echo this and in terms of what she found with it as well, is that it can be useful because obviously your text messages are something you probably check more than anything else in all your digital platforms. However, it can be a slippery slope. Right. Like this is the one angle where I feel like this can get annoying to people. And the reason that it can get annoying to people is that the difference between for most people, emails and text messages is that emails, generally speaking, you check them when you want to. Text messages are more or less a bit of an invasion in the Mm -hmm. sense that like you get a ping oftentimes if your notifications are on and you feel obligated to check it. And you're generally expecting it to be a friend or a family member and sometimes a coworker, right? Not generally a like just random ass article or whatever it is that you're SMNing people. So like, I think that it has value if you're very careful with it, but it's very rarely something that I honestly work with a lot of clients on. I haven't found that it's necessary for most of the people that I work with just generally in the fitness gym space, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's for like maybe an appointment reminder or something, I think that right. can be helpful. Yeah. But in terms of like other than appointment reminders, I haven't seen it show up that great just in my own experience. But again, that's just what I've seen with clients that I've worked with. That's, that's what it looks like to me. I don't have a lot of experience with SMS marketing, but in having received different kinds of SMS marketing, s- saying, Hey, I just released, I just published this blog, this blog post. <laughs> I don't think that's received very well through text. I don't, no. um, it, as opposed to an update on the schedule at the gym or a reminder, that's probably one of the most important ones is a reminder of, of a booking you have or, or to, to show up or something. Um, just maybe updates on events and th- things that are more, I guess, almost administrative, like housekeeping items is what SMS is good for. Um, not really so much <laughs> telling people that you put out a new video on Instagram or something. <laughs> right. Especially things too, where it's like directly relevant to maybe like an event or something that you have coming up. I think that has a great use case scenario for it. If like, if yeah. you have some sort of party at your gym or like there's some event at the coffee shop right. or the smoothie shop or whatever, I think there's a lot of value in that realm. If it's like event specific, but for just like random updates of like what's going on or information, rarely have I ever seen it useful or turn out for the better, I guess, in the long run. Because I think mm-hmm. that's the important thing that I want people to know as well is that like of all the stuff that we're talking about today about of like newsletters and blogs and like everything is like just keep in mind that it's a long play, right? That's why I go back to like the rule of 100 or like what kind of schedule can you stay to consistently? Every one of these avenues is a long play right? It's like, it's really establishing legitimate relationships with people that you actually want to have a connection with, not just people that you want to like come in, sell something, PC, you never, right? Like those are two different strategies. Everything I'm talking about today is more or less like the long play. Like these are people you actually want to continue to be a part of your community. That's why like a growing a newsletter list can be painfully hard and take a long time is because it's a long play. Like it's not something, mm-hmm. could you quickly grow it with a giveaway or some other cheap method of growing it sure maybe but like is that really what you want maybe it is and if it is that's cool but just like be aware of like which game you're playing i guess is really what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah is do you want to make your head big or do you want to make your wallet big (laughs) 
<laughs> Nailed it, bro. I like that. <laughs> that. That's that's the uh, that's the dichotomy there. Do you want to make your head bigger? Your like brag that. about all one thousand emails you have. Or yeah, which, which is fine. One thousand dollars like, extra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even and on that note too, uh, I guess this is something I should bring up as well. Uh, is understanding the power of collaboration. Of all the years that I've done any form of content creation from newsletters to podcasting to blogging, all those things again, is that I have learned in all my years of doing this that the most powerful tool by far for growing any of those, if you're in that circumstance, is collaboration. And what I mean by collaboration is it's finding other like-minded audiences or communities that could also get value from the things that you're talking about. So if there's other gym owners or if there's other podcast shows, or there's other YouTube channels, or there's other Instagram accounts, whatever it is, if you can find a way to connect with them and come to them with a value add where you can like do something together to collaborate, to basically smash those two communities together so that they find each other, that is without doubt the most powerful tool that I've seen by far. It's just like mm-hmm. finding ways to overlap with other people and work together with other communities is totally the hack for any of the building of any of the platforms across all the boards. Which you can do with anything, but with an email list, if you have an email list, you have sort of some built-in value. So you can offer another company access to your email list. Like, hey, let's do a like a collab post that we'll send out through email. And then maybe in return, you can gain access to their email list or 100%. whatever their most powerful distribution channel is. Yeah, you nailed it. I have a good buddy of mine here in town. He's a friend of mine. And I think he has, he writes about storytelling. That's his whole newsletter. That's his whole game is really storytelling. And I think his newsletter, last time I checked, it's like 70 or 80,000, something like that. He's pushing 100,000. And I remember talking to him and just like learning a lot about like, how did he do that? Right? Like, what are the lessons that I could learn from this very smart person that obviously grew a very healthy and successful newsletter? And I'll never forget what he told me, man, is he goes... He goes, yeah, it's about 20% writing and about 80% distribution. And what he meant by that is that like the actual newsletters that itself that he was writing was about 20% of the work because like realistically he was writing about storytelling, which is you're kind of saying the same thing just in a lot of different ways about teaching people how mm-hmm. to do storytelling. But the power of growing it was like learning how to collaborate and distribute into other people that also had audiences or other platforms or other communities or whatever it is that could also get value from it and then get in front of them essentially. And so it was just like a huge lesson for me of just like the power of collaboration is like part of it is the content for sure. Like you want good content, but honestly a bigger part of it is like who are you collaborating with and how are you getting in front of similar audiences that also get value from the stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, and especially effective distribution because you get shared on somebody's big, you get shared on a big um, Facebook page and you might not get a ton of uh, organic exposure. Right. But if you send it to somebody's email list, you, you, you potentially have more people interested in actually clicking through. 100%. Yeah, it has way more, uh, I don't think the power is the word, I guess just like effectiveness in terms of like mm-hmm. if it's actually going to convert to something. I think that's also an important note for people to remember as well though is like, uh, reducing friction from platform to platform. So like if you are, if you're trying to grow a newsletter, your best angle of growing a newsletter is to connect with other newsletter growers. If you're trying to grow a podcast show, your best angle is to talk with other podcasts that are doing podcast show because the friction from platform to platform can be very challenging for a lot of people. Like sending yeah. out a newsletter 
about your podcast show, which is something I do, the conversion of that is actually really, really hard, right? Like when you think about the yeah. logistics of somebody checking maybe an email on their desktop computer about like this newsletter and it's trying to convert to a podcast show that they would never listen to on their desktop computer. They want to listen to that when they're like out on a walk on their phone. That's a really, that's a lot of friction, right? But that's true mm-hmm. for all the platforms is like going from one YouTube video to another YouTube video is very simple, right? But to go from like YouTube to a newsletter, that's a little bit more friction. So that's also something for people to note as well in terms of distribution is like whatever platform you're trying to grow on, also collaborate with other people on that same platform. Yeah, absolutely. What what tools do gym operators need to maintain and effectively leverage an email list? Copywriting skills. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I mean, sort, <yes>. of jo- <laughs> sort of joking, but sort of not. Uh, I would argue yeah. really any business owner for that matter should have some degree of just understanding copywriting, basically just like how mm-hmm. to write slash and or speak something that like really resonates with people. That's kind of like to my original point about learning how to tell stories, learning how to give strategies and tactics. In terms of like exact tools though, um, man, that's a really, really hard question for me to answer only because like I've used so many of the tools out there. I would say first and foremost though is like having some place where you're hosting the majority of your emails. This could be anything from like a convert kit to a MailChimp to Beehive is actually the most recent one that I would actually recommend to a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. They're actually friends of mine and it's an incredible platform from all things across the board in terms of like Mm -hmm. collaborating with other newsletters, um, putting in like, uh, what's it called? Um, Like templates basically so that like you can write your emails really quickly and streamline and then it also can convert it to a blog for you straight up on the platform. So I definitely highly recommend that one. Um, It's kind of like Substack if anybody's ever used that. It's very similar, but like way more powerful essentially. Um, so I highly recommend that for anybody, but really just like having some place where you're hosting the emails. And the reason that I say that is because like I, oddly enough, had made this mistake even as somebody in the industry. So I actually also host a community here in Austin, Texas of other health, fitness, wellness entrepreneurs. We, we meet up once a month and I have like a large email list of all these people that have attended. And obviously I use it not to like do anything other than just to like ask them to come to the next event or tell them when the next event is, right? And I was honestly just like copy pasting to my Gmail. I wasn't really using like an email list per se whatsoever. And a couple downfalls of that so that other people don't make this mistake is that one downfall of that is that like when somebody asks you like, hey, by the way, like I don't even live in Austin anymore. If you could like kind of take me off the list, it'd be great. That doesn't always happen because like I'll forget or whatever the case might be. And honestly, honestly, it's like takes work to like go through these emails and pull somebody off the name. And so like, that's a huge mistake versus like actually having an email list on some sort of like tool or platform. They can just hit unsubscribe. Like I was saying earlier, that's mm-hmm. actually, they're doing you a favor by doing that. And then the other thing with that too, is like, you would like to see your open rates. And cause like knowing the percentage yeah. of people, not that you should rely on this, but knowing the percentage of people that actually open and click your emails can be an insanely valuable tool of knowing what's working and what's not working. Don't take it personal. If for whatever reason mm-hmm. the numbers are high or numbers are low, it's just like, it is what it is. It's data, but like it gives you so much feedback as to like what they're clicking, why they're clicking, if they're even opening it. And like it also allows you third piece of this, which I forgot to mention is like, it also allows you to, to clean your list. I think people forget that if you have a number of people on your list that aren't opening it anyways, that's actually not a great thing. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is because like, you're just basically spamming their spam box, which now 
hosts your name in terms of like email sending is something more likely to get registered as spam, even though you're not spam. Um, and also too is like, it just like lowers yeah. your open rate, which is another thing that can signal like, oh, this could be spam. And so like, you don't want to have like a super insanely low number of open rates with people that like aren't even opening it anyways. It's because like then that could potentially register you for spam. So that's probably the third reason. It's like have some form of tool. There's a bajillion of them out there. They all have their pros and cons. I will say this though, I guess for a lot of gym owners based on what I've seen, um, I think it's called Active Campaign is another one. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty great one from my understanding from a lot of gym owners that I've talked to in terms of like, it just has a lot of tools and functionalities and automations that are useful for a quote unquote service-based business. So, yeah. Yeah. And you can, co- I've used Active Campaign before and if you're, you have the right plan, you can coordinate it with SMS too. So if you want to go back and forth between doing what SMS is good for and what email is good for, you can put that all in the same flow. Yep. So it's, it's pretty good. Gymdesk, we also have that too. And we have some automation, quite a few automation features. And it's all sort of just integrated with everything else you do, your CRM, your billing, all that kind of stuff. So if you want to send out a reminder, like the, somebody's payment is going to expire and you don't want to worry about that, it can do that. Or a, a, just an S, a simple SMS reminder um, of a booking, you know, mm. it, it just takes care of that for you. You don't have to worry about it. But yeah, which yeah, would be... Is, I mean, that's something too, is like just to double down on your point exactly, but like that mm-hmm. is the great avenue of an SMS is like increasing your arrival rates for appointments. Right. Like yeah. an SMS text is like dramatically useful. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, email service providers. I, under, the way I understand it, there's some things, there's some technical things that they can do to ha- kind of help you to help protect you from like if somebody says that marks this as spam. If you're sending directly from a personal email address, I mean, that could tank. You could end up in a bunch of spam folders after that if somebody reported that email directly. Exactly. Um, so you're, you're incurring a lot more risk than you need to, especially for the life of your business. Totally. <laughs> if you're just using a Gmail address. I actually knew somebody who did this and I told her she needs to like take all of those and stick them on an actual list because I think I think there's even some weird laws. Like if there is no way for them to opt out of that, you could potentially be in legal trouble, at least yes. in places like California. So it's just there's a bunch of free ones out there. Just do it. Like yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, most of them, most of them out there that I've seen is like until your list is over like 500 or some of them are like a thousand. It's generally free anyways, so there's no reason not to. And you're right, I'm pretty sure there's legal because like even when you import emails into an email list builder of some form, it basically asks you like, "Hey, do these people confirm that they actually want to be on this <laughs> list? Because if not, yeah. don't put them on this list." Essentially, so yeah. Absolutely. And it is easier to just download a CSV file off of an email service provider if you want to switch with, I don't know how you do it in Gmail. If you have a list put together, I don't even know how you get all of those emails onto another document. Copy paste, man. There's all the builders out there just let you copy paste and they figure it out. AI, man. It's the world we live in. I don't know. Yeah. It works. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds like work to me. (laughs) I'd rather just download a CSV. (laughs) So are there there any resources you would recommend for learning how to write good emails? Because copywriting has kind of permeated this this interview. Um, Yeah, I guess I'll give a shout out to my my buddy, Naval. Um, uh, Hold on, let me look it up one second. Yeah, no worries. Copywriting course. That's what it is. <clears throat> so, um, 
Yeah, my buddy Naval, he's actually here in Austin. Is that with, with K? Me. Uh, so it, it's funny you say that. It used to be with a K, uh, but then, so, <laughs> okay, you'll appreciate this. So <laughs> okay. it used to be copywriting course, uh, so it was KK, but then they were wanted to do like copywriting course classes or something like that, but then it would have been KKK, and they're like, oh, that's a no bueno. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a no-go. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, we can't do that. So it's actually, it's with a C. Uh, Neville is his name, uh, Neville Medora. Uh, but yeah, it used to be copywriting course KK, but he's, I think since changed it to now it's C's copywriting course. Uh, okay. look him up though. He's a buddy of mine. He's great. Actually, side note, I did a podcast interview with him and we get all, we get deep into the copywriting stuff. So anybody wants more depth on the copywriting stuff specifically, I definitely did a whole episode on it with him on my show because like it was just so valuable. It's honestly not even something I normally talk about on the show, but like it was mm-hmm. just like so useful and effective. Um, so that'd probably be number one for me, honestly, is like, I, actually, he's the one that taught me about Ada. And he's also the one that taught me that like, most people think that copywriting is like, it's just the words that you type onto a keyboard and say to people. And like, he really opened my eyes to like, really all copywriting is actually at its most like high level is just like trying to communicate what's in my brain into your brain in an effective and useful manner. And he said, so an example of that is like, even technically speaking, TikTok could be a form of copywriting if you think about it from that lens. Because like, if I want to know how to like boil an egg the most effectively way humanly possible, and the quickest way that I could learn that information is to just like watch a quick TikTok video about how to quick, like how to boil an egg versus going to a blog that has like a thousand words on it on how to freaking boil an egg. It's like, I don't, I don't care to read a thousand words on a blog. I just want the information. And if I can get that information in 10 seconds on a TikTok video, awesome. He's like, so that's really honestly at the end of the day of like what copywriting is. It's like, it's learning how to effectively communicate the things in your head into somebody else's head in a useful and effective manner that somehow helps and support them. And uh, like, again, all this is from my buddy, Neville Medora at Copywriting Course. So yeah, definitely check him out. The listeners should check that out. Cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Where can listeners find you if they want to reach out? Corey Hibben is my name. Uh, my podcast show is called The Health Hustle. Um, it's on all major platforms. And my website is coreyhigh.com. Um other than that, feel free to reach out. Honestly, at the end of the day, if like anyone has any questions or like they want somebody to connect with or like if you live in Austin, you want to get coffee, I would love that. Um, I'm honestly just like always looking to help and serve people. So if there's anyone that wants to reach out and feel free to DM me or hit me up or whatever, I'd love that. Sweet, man. Thanks for coming on again. And I hope we can do this again sometime. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks again.